Now then, and thank you for listening. Welcome to the Midlife Film Catch-Up, a podcast where each week two friends approaching midlife analyse a film they've never seen before. So we're watching a film from each year since the year we were born. We started in 1983 and now we're up to 2005. Good. I feel like you've started that in half a semitone, higher pitch voice than you normally speaking. Okay. Is this a new, is that on purpose? Uh, it's maybe the direction I want to, okay, want to go. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Keep going. Well, I think it'd be difficult to maintain. Well, we'll see. We'll see yeah, how okay. we go. Okay, yeah. Carry my, on. My co- <laughs> my co-presenter is a man who has met Roy Walker, the um, erstwhile presenter of Catchphrase, Julian Barrett, uh, founder member of the Mighty Boosh, Ken Dodd, comedy um, trailblazer, hmm. and Olympian Denise Lewis. No, I, that's a complete lie. I've not met Denise Lewis. I couldn't. I couldn't think of a, a fourth famous person he'd met. Judith Chalmers. Well, she, she asked me for a soft drink. Right, so that was in the same job as you met Roy Walker. Yeah. So I, I tried. I went out looking for a Vimto in in the back of the house, but couldn't find one. So I just gave her an orange juice. What's a where was it? Uh, the, Savoy. The Dorchester Hotel. It doesn't ha- doesn't sell soft drinks. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it was just a champagne reception and she just wanted a soft drink. It was before the reception, actually. She was getting ready. So the drinks weren't out. We weren't oh, okay. ready. So, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to get, you know, I, I was playing with the, the form, you know. I could have given her any soft drink. She said oh, any, but it turns out all we had were boring soft drinks. Yeah, yeah, love him, so. I wanted to shock her. Right, okay. Yeah. What would you say the top three soft drinks are? Um, I'd say Vimto's up there, isn't it? Uh, well, you're talking about an age now where there's Rubicon, Rio. Yeah, yeah Rubicon. Okay, Lilt. Doesn't exist anymore. Sorry, grapefruit flavour. Fanta. Fanta. Tizer. We should explain that because I only, I only, that only hit home it with me the other week. Doesn't need explaining, doesn't need explaining. Lilt has been rebadged. Yeah, it's been rebadged. As fat as grapefruit and pineapple flavoured Fanta. Yep, that's it. Let's not get into that controversy. Okay, yeah. Tab clear, cream, uh, green colour cream soda mm-hmm. from the Milkman. Right, maybe. okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think they have to have a degree of scarcity to be in the top three, don't they? Yeah. Nostalgic value and scarcity. What are your top three? Dandelion and Burdock. Oh, yeah. Oh, how could I miss that? Yeah. Um... And Umbongo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Mountain Dew Original. Mountain Dew Original. What? Well, isn't all Mountain Dew these days en- an en- energy drink? <laughs> what? They've added taurine to all Mountain Dew. You live in Liverpool, United Kingdom. Yes. Where are you getting Mountain Dew from? Um, Co-op. Really, but it's not original. It's it's like an energy drink. No, yeah, they've added taurine to it. Have they? I think so. Yeah. Trying to uh, compete with Stormzy's drink, Rockstar. Probably, yeah. Is that Stormzy's? I think so. He, he's got a drink. Um, the boxer from YouTube's got a drink. Yeah, what's that guy? KRS One or is it Sean Paul? Is it? <laughs> it's KRS Paul one. Logan. Um, Who's KRS One? Isn't that from? Doctor Who or something? Oh, I don't know. We're out of our depth. 
out of our depth. Um, shall we set the scene? Yeah, let's set the scene. It's Sunday afternoon. It's five o'clock. Um, we're, yeah. we're flying close to the deadline again. Yeah, flying it's close um, to the sun. about thirty-seven degrees centigrade outside. It's a warm one. I've had a roast dinner. Celsius or centigrade? Don't know. Um, you've had a roast dinner. Yeah. How long ago? Uh, two hours ago. Uh, did you have meat? Pork. Did you have applesauce? Yeah, but I had to ask for it. Where were you? Marantos. They didn't bring it? No. Um, but they had it when you asked for it? Yeah, straight away. Straight away? Yeah. They weren't running to the shop to get it? To the kitchen. They just went to the kitchen because they had it? They had it, yeah. Yeah. Ramekins. Uh, what would you give it on a scale of 1 to one to 12? Um, 9. Pretty good? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Is that a 7 out of 10? <laughs> I don't think it had Yorkshire puddings. I just realised. She go back. She go back and say something. Yeah, but I was so happy to just be served because I went to the old schoolhouse before that, and I just we couldn't get we couldn't get any waiters' attention. Waiting. What attention. they sat you down and then messed you about. Mm-hmm. So he stormed out. Yeah, I, I would not be happy with that. I'm not. I'm never going back. I went once for a roast dinner. It was amazing. I went back second time for. Uh, a, a, a weekday meal and they didn't have the roast and all the other dishes were just boring choices yeah I wasn't happy what have you consumed today? I've had um, plain porridge with cinnamon mm. so not that you know but just milk oats and cinnamon uh, none of this over, I'm not a fan I've realised this week I'm not a fan of overnight oats oh, okay I think um, I think if you went back in time to some peasant's hut or something, and you explain the concept of overnight oats to them. Yeah. Um, I think the idea of eating a cold food to them, when you could ha- when you could have a hot food as a, as easily as we can these days, mm. I think they'd be shocked. I think they'd throw you out their 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 tent or hut. Um, here's a key question. Yeah. Are you making your overnight oats with milk or? Water. I'm not making. I'm not making. I'm not making overnight oats. But in, when you were, was it? Milk? I've never. I've never made them. Oh right. So you're. You just. You're saying that people that do. Are yeah. I, th- I think they're outrageous. Oh, right, sorts okay. of people. I think they're. You know. Your avocado munching. Millenniums. What if I told you this? Go on. Bet I'm betcha. I'm all about the betcha. Yeah. Oh, I've heard. What is it? Oats. Yeah. Yogurt. Yeah. Milk. Apple grated. <laughs> yeah. Was that were you saying apple then? The word app, were you saying the word apple? Yeah, but then yeah. I, I realised I'd forgotten the word grated. <laughs> yeah. Seed mix. Yes. Sometimes I put some frozen fruit in it. Sometimes yeah. I put some banana on it. And you'd store it overnight? Store it overnight. Store it overnight for you know, I have a big tub of it yeah and that'll that'll be three breakfasts you love planning your meals um is that overnight oats then Bircher it's it's a it's a um what do you call it of it isn't it yeah what it's a um it's a version of it yeah (laughs) (laughs) um I I think it I think it's outrageous it's almost as bad as Richard Osman overnight oats yeah, what if you're adding all those bells and whistles that I'm adding to it? Uh, yeah, I think I think. Um, well, I'll tell you this: there was like a porridge competition a few years ago, 
like a world's porridge competition and do you know what kind of porridge won? Um, no. Porridge with salt and water. <laughs> that was the most delicious porridge. Salt and water? Yeah, it's down to what the quality of the oats you use and mm. the way you prepare it, how long you cook it, how long you let it cool, all that stuff. But someone had made the perfect bowl of porridge and all the judges agreed this is the best one. Steel cut oats. Pardon? Steel cut probably, wasn't it? Steel cut mm. oats. Can you can you get that? Well, that's what my friend Norm, who lives in the Californian desert, eats. But, so it's savoury porridge, mm. but it's made of steel cut oats. So that's like you get rolled oats, here's a cut with steel. Yeah. Like samurai blade. Um, Just while I remember, I've been um, looking into our uh, audience figures. Oh, and yeah. And we've got um, a listener in uh, Virginia, USA. Okay. Um, so I'd be very interested to know what sort of votes they eat. Please get in touch. Um, get in touch via our YouTube. No, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have one. Instagram channel, at Film Catch Up, or our Gmail account. Film Catch Up at gmail.com. Correct. Write in. You can write in by commenting on a photo on Instagram, or you can send an email also a shout out to our Belgian listener we have a very loyal listener from Belgium who listens every week without fail bonjour bonjour um, we'd love to know what you eat for breakfast uh, you know is it poached eggs um, is it soldiers uh, dipped in egg what is it some sort of crouton you know is it baked some sort of baked thing yeah uh, pastry pastry yeah you know do you sit there under these like with these Flemish paintings in your house eating food Belgian waffles good shout good shout and I've had Scouse today and I've had a packet of cheddar and onion red onion crisps cheddar and onion red onion crisps and a Sprite yes I don't feel great right it's hot (laughs) it's hot weather you've had a roast I've eaten lots of food not yeah. an ideal situation. We do need to mention our um, crowdfunder. Yeah, if you've enjoyed... Well, I was going to do it at the end. If you've enjoyed today, please buy us a coffee. Okay, so we'd just do it, what, like that? Just, just that's all you were going to say? Yeah, snappy, isn't what it? What about thanking it? the people already? Pardon? What about thanking the people that have already donated? Oh, God, yeah, sorry. It's a big thank you. Well, go on. A big thank you to James Cundall. You're naming them? Oh, yeah. Big thank you to Helen... Thank you, Helen. Big thank you to Bobby. I think it's Bobby DeMello, one of my friends. Big thank you to Liam. Yeah. Uh, your tote bags are on their way. No. Goodie bags. Uh, I think we're recording messages for them. Yeah, when 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 we get round to it. Yeah. Um, not to, yeah, you know. We, we really appreciate it. We, re- we really do appreciate it. And if you enjoy, by the end of, if today's episode goes, goes well, then... If you enjoy it, please just buy us a coffee on ko-fi.com forward slash film catch up. Film catch up. That's ko dash. They'll find it. Dot com. Uh, and it's link, link in the bio. Right. Shall we dive in?
This week's film... <laughs> this week's film is Reprise, the 2006 film by Icelandic... Norwe- Norwegian Norwe- director. Danish, Norwegian. Uh, he's a Danish, Norwegian. Okay. He's half Danish, half Norwegian. Joachim Trier. Yeah. Um, Reprise is a story of two friends in their early 20s who are aspiring authors. It begins with the two friends uh, named Philippe and Eric. Yeah. Sending off their manuscripts of their debut novel. Philip's novel gets published. Eric gets knocked back. Yeah. Um, the rest of the film is about Philip's struggles with mental health and Eric's eventual success as a novelist. Succinct. That was really succinct uh, synopsis. Well done. Yeah, well, I think it's that type where, of... Th- were you reading that? No, I was reading the names of the characters. Yeah, that, that, that throws me. You've done that the last couple of times. Well done. Thanks. Yeah, 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 that was really good. Um, well, I'm going to... Two challenges to me this episode. Uh, one, I've had a roast dinner and I'm tired. Yeah. Uh, and two is, um, I watched this film a good four or five days ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I watched it this this morning. Yeah, so we should even ourselves out, even ourselves out, shouldn't we? Yeah, we'll meet in the middle. Yeah. Um, you're doing the, the cross-country long distance and I'm doing the, the sprint. Yeah, and we'll meet in the middle. Meet in the middle, some sort of relay. Yeah, batons. Yeah, I'll pass you the baton. You pass me the. You pass me the baton. Quick thoughts. Oh, that was fast. Quick thoughts. I'd say uh, this was a, a really good film. Uh, hang on, I've forgotten. Before the quick thoughts, we do a little bit of context of the film, don't we? Do we? Yeah. So Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> Tria. Tria. The um, director of this film. So we both discovered, I believe, this director through the film. The Worst Person in the World. Yes. Which was a movie release uh, two years ago to lots of uh, fanfare. Yeah. Uh, that film was the final part of the, uh, what he's calling his Oslo Trio. Trilogy. Trilogy. O- Oslo Trilogy. Oslo when trilogy. you say Oslo Trio, I just think <laughs> of um, the guy from Keeping Up Appearances. Onslow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and because uh, Trio makes me think of the biscuit. And Onslow probably it. Quite a lot of business. Yeah, exactly. Great, great character on Onslow. Onslow. I'd say, I mean, I, I, I would watch it just waiting for Onslow yeah, to, to appear. Yeah, because I wasn't that taken with the shrill nature of Hyacinth, Hyacinth. Bucket mm-hmm. uh, or, or or even Richard. Richard's dour, dourness. Yeah, but then I'd just be, you know, waiting for Onslow to come on. I always loved, like when I watched Heartbeat, I was always waiting for Claude, Claude Green. Greengrass. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Well, what if I said this? Go on. Onslow reprised his role yeah. in the royal family. He did. He did. A similar character, He did. It? A bit like um, Danny the dealer in Withdale and I reprised his character in Wayne's World 2, yeah, but with yeah. a different name. Different names. Different yeah. names, same character, same actor. It's funny when that happens. Uh, but, you know, if anyone is interested in a bit more keeping up appearances trivia then please do google the radio times interview with uh richard i don't know what the actor's name is no uh and he and he's it's a really uh it's a awful awful he's he's a nasty piece of work uh, yeah and they and they printed it they printed it in the radio times 
Yeah, they were interviewing him about Doctor Who because he was in it once, right. and uh, he, he he was really rude to the interviewer, like savage, I'd say. Right. And um, they actually just printed it, right, and and he comes across really. It's it's actually very funny to read because he's so horrible. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, but, um, Rootledge, Patricia Rootledge, R- Routledge, Routledge, yeah. Patricia. Yeah, I'd say so. N- not rude and uh, honorary degree from John Moore's University. Really, <laughs> really, so, yeah. really, yeah. Some more, some more trivia there. Good trivia for keeping up appearances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back if you've enjoyed that. Come back <laughs> for more next week. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, good film. So your quick thoughts were very good film, weren't they? Uh, my quick thoughts about this film were uh, a very, a really, really good film, uh, mm-hmm. and I'd recommend people to watch it. About uh, the director said this: "I wanted to make a film that focused on the poetic details of boy culture, a bit like what Sofia Coppola did for girl culture in The Virgin Suicides." And I think this film really pinned down very succinctly the the follies, ambitions and dreams and preoccupations of young creative men. Uh their the the way they love the way they talk about music, the way they talk about girls, the way they have these lofty creative ambitions. They wanna make their imp- as as young ambitious men they wanna make their imprint on culture with their and they want to be seen as intellectual which mm-hmm. is a kind of a preoccupation of young creative men and uh, I thought it really showed them warts and all mm-hmm. it showed them being on PC it showed them being sexist uh, and if you ever hung out with a group of boys uh, young boys it, it does often go th- to that witty that, that banterous banter sort of level, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, as much as we, as people pretend it doesn't, uh, it does happen in a lot of quarters. Yeah, definitely. I think this film as well is specifically about like privileged young boys as well. Yeah, they were very privileged. Yeah, they were very privileged just by virtue of being male, and by and they were middle class, weren't they? Mm. And they, they looked down on other people and stuff. And there was a, there was a few comments about they were on the east side of Oslo, I think. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the more well-to-do. Yeah, well definitely, to do definitely. And but opening credits um, was the song "New Dawn Fades" by Joy Division. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, uh, and that was um, playing cut to images of the Independence Day parade in Norway. Yeah. And I thought it. I thought it was a brilliant beginning. And have you seen the film Heat with? Uh, Al De Niro, Robert Pacino. Yeah, um, Robert Man. De Niro and Al Pacino. That's what I said. Uh, Manfred Mann. Directed by sorry, directed by Michael Mann. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, Robert Pacino is a cop. Oh. Al, Al Pacino, Pacino, Al De Niro, and uh, they also used the cover of New Dawn Fades okay. uh, by Joy Division, played by Moby, and that's the first time I've heard that. Joy Division, I think, on film, except for Twenty Four Hour Party People. Uh, Control. I, pardon. Have you seen the film Control? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it's in that a lot. But I just thought, why is Joy Division not used more in films? Uh, I thought it was a really audacious beginning to this film. Great piece of music, and um, 
and I liked the punk music throughout this film. Yeah. Yeah. It was very male centric music though, wasn't it, all of it? It was. It was. I mean that's what it was about. Yeah. The film was about boys and their obsession with either punk or post punk. And really although they were like into punk music, they're not then they're not punk people in this film, are they? They're middle class ambitious boys uh and uh they're not an underclass of any description and uh, they're all obsessed with their own careerist bullcrap aren't they yeah really yeah yeah it was it was really good the um how it explored that dynamic i mean it's, it was from the very beginning was it the um you understood that friendship circle because they picked up so the 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 successful author who was successful at the beginning philip had a mental breakdown yeah, um, and then you saw him being picked up by the group of friends, and there was just absolute no empathy there whatsoever, or caring, or anything. They were just straight away bantering, weren't they? And and then later in the film, um, the there was a woman from the publishing house. When the the other friend Eric gets published, he meets her, and she's has the misfortune of hanging out with that group of friends. Um, and then he, she witnesses the bantering and she says something along the lines of oh, I just think it would be so hard to be in this group if you're struggling or something I think I wrote down yeah that, that, that was it can't be easy to have problems in this crowd yeah she pinned she pinned the nail on the hammered on the head yeah pinned the nail she dropped the donkey she dropped the dead donkey she pinned the tail on the donkey yes that's what we say, isn't it? No, it's hit the nail on the head, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, okay. She hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah, because it wasn't a space, their friendship group, no one could be vulnerable. And clearly there's a guy in that group who's just had a breakdown and mm-hmm. and it's just banter going on, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was a it was a great film. It was a, a brilliant film. And his and so that that character's story arc was brilliant, wasn't it? Philip, the successful, immediately successful author who became obsessed with his partner. Yes, his his, his romantic partner, his yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was... Um, it was... Is that your stomach? It is, yes. Apologies. It shouldn't be rumbling if you've had a roast. It's, it's probably digestion noises, really. Does it make that noise when you digest? Sometimes, yeah, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> um, I think, I think that was, oh, yeah, it was really difficult to watch. That he was very obsessive over his girlfriend, and that was a part of his symptom of his um, uh, uh, mental breakdown. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think to be fair as well to like that group, that's a very difficult thing to cope with at the age. Of, I think they were like twenty one, twenty two, weren't they? Yeah. So they. It didn't seem like he had a, a great deal of familial support. No. Mm. Um, nice pronunciation. So I, I think, I mean, but he, he's like best friend. The, two, the other protagonist was very supportive and very good with all that. But that's a that's a difficult thing to cope with to, to do. Immediate, immediate success without no, being a fully developed adult. No, I didn't mean that. Sorry, I meant like ha- um, just ha- having a friend in your friendship circle that's having those mental health problems at that age yeah that must be I, I've, I don't think I've experienced it no to, 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 to someone who's who's got a, a severe 
a problem as that. Yeah, like a lot of the synopses that I read about this film was said it was, it was about like success at a young age, but I don't think it really was. I think it was more about what you said then about like the dynamics of a young crowd and and that sort of thing of navigating mental health problems at a young age. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think so too. Uh, I I think at its core. I'm going to say it again, it's a right, right it's a passage it film. It is, it's a read to passage. It's a read to passage, it's a coming of age, which we're seeing a lot recently on this podcast. It reminded me of Boy's Kids Return, mm. the Japanese film we watched. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to get back go to that. Go do that again, do that again. Mm. Good, good. It reminded me of that. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a right to passage film and it showed, you know, it kind of like, it had a few callbacks in the film, like as you say, they were being really rude and banterous around that woman who's from the publishing house, and the one who's specifically rude to her. She walks out, and she's like, "This guy's disgusting because he's being really on PC mm-hmm. and sexist." And uh, and then later in the film, they get married. Yeah, he does. He call her a PC fascist. I won't repeat what he says because it's really explicit, but he says something along, along the lines of that, yeah. And then later on, they you just see them getting off at a party, and then later on after that, you see them getting married. And I didn't realise he was the lead singer of the punk band from the beginning. I think it. I think his brother was the lead singer of that band. Oh, right. And that's why the band were at his wedding. Right, okay. That punk band were called The Communes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, were they a real band? That was very sort of... It felt very realistic. They felt real, the communes. Yeah. And I think uh, the hippie band was real as well. Shall I try and um shall I try and search commune on um on Spotify now? I, I don't think we got time. Go on. Uh if I do that and then you just talk maybe it be- about it began with a K. Um maybe the soundtrack. No, the similarities between this film and um the worst person in the world. Uh, so they're both set in Oslo, in Norway. Yeah. Um, and they're both ones about coming of age of boys, and then the third film is about coming of age of a female. Yeah. So they're really similar, and they're both they're people who work as artists. And, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're kind of like your Neapolitan metropolitan, <laughs> the metropolitan. You know, someone were, so a, 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 someone would criticise this film by saying it's about bourgeois metropolitan people living in a city, yeah. with, like so, like living in privilege, which it, it is. But it's also a bit, it's also a bit like uh, it puts them under the microscope quite to the to the extent of warts and being warts and all. You know, you know I mean, why should that be a criticism? Exactly. Those people exist. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Have you seen the film The yeah. Souvenir? Um, I I got halfway through it, switched it off. Oh really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the, I mean, I mean, I, I might. There's, there's, there's souvenir part one and part two. Yeah. I can't remember which one I watched. Right. Okay. I would have hoped that you watched part one. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just found it. I, I can, I can watch films like that, but I just found it a bit too slow. Really. Yeah, if you're not, in a, if you're not in a mood. Like yeah. One of my. It's no. It's no wedding crashes. No, it's no um, dude. Where's my car? It's it? not. It's not. Um, I, one of my favorite ever experiences watching a film. I was um, in on my own with a, a bottle of wine. Yeah. Uh, and I put on Phantom Thread. Oh yeah, um, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, and I was right. Uh, I was Leslie in the zone. Manville. Yeah. 
and I was really enjoying it all the way through. Yeah. But I can imagine on a different day, you wouldn't have. I would have struggled with it. Yeah. Do you think you enjoyed it because you were drunk? <laughs> I mean, that yeah. might have had something to do yeah. with it, maybe. Yeah. Did you like the bit where Daniel De Lewis said, um, "I couldn't give a tinker's <laughs> couldn't give a tinker's curse"? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. I quite enjoyed it at the time. But I enjoy I enjoy it every time you you uh, bring it up again. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, but I was going to say the worst person in the world. That's very much you read the passage about people in their early thirties, isn't it? Okay, yeah, which so, is unusual. Yeah, more of a midlifey crisisy type of affair. Yeah, yeah. Well, just coming back to the music, you had Joy Division. Yeah, you had this punk band, The Communes. Are they on Spotify? They're not on Spotify. So no. you think they're made up? I think they're made up. Yeah. Uh, he was wearing a Smiths "The Queen Is Dead" T-shirt at that's, one point. That's right. Yeah. They were listening to Blue Monday at one point. Yeah. Mm, By New Order. There was another New Order song. Oh, was it? That, uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, so something about the. They were both unapologetic about not liking the Clash. I miss that. Griff might have been standing in the way of the subtitles during that. Yeah, I, I, Griff was probably annoyed that they said they didn't like the Clash. Yeah, that's my that's my two year old son. He does love to stand exactly where the subtitles are. Yeah. Um, but it, I thought it was funny the, the music stuff because. Well, I just thought it was—it was, it's bands that I was into. Yeah. Um, and um, and did you notice the bit? This was two weeks ago for you. I don't know if you'll remember. Do you remember a bit where there was a guy jogging, listening to music, and he had a Joy Division T-shirt on, and they, there was a brief bit of narration saying that he was a medical student. He moved to America, but then. He came back because a long distance relationship wasn't working with his girlfriend, and then he came, he quit his job there, came back to to Oslo, and then she dumped him. Do you remember that bit? Yeah, he was wearing Converse. He was wearing, wearing he was Converse. Running in Converse. And then I thought that was a brilliant bit that because this person was not a character in this film. Yeah, it just he was a character for about five seconds, ten seconds, and then he ran past in slow motion. He ran past the four main characters and they just looked at him and he looked at them uh, it's just like a passing ship and I just thought that was a great like comment it seemed to me it's a, a comment saying these protagonists are nothing special they're just boys right and there's and they're just like they're not special for liking these bands and liking this that and the other and being like this they're just a group of boys and this is their story but there could easily be the story about this guy jogging past them right okay that's yeah. my take from it but, but he and he was there was a snapshot of him at the end as well wasn't it at the very end yeah he walked past one of them again at the end yeah mm. yeah he walked past which one the um can't remember the handsome one I think it was the handsome one Eric. I mean, they were all they were all pretty handsome except, yeah. except for the gear one the one they took the mickey out the of the younger one yeah yeah. but I just thought it was um, I thought that kind of like elevated the film a little bit for me it was just like we're not asking you to treat these people as special they're just and it's better if you think a bit less of them they're just like everyone else in a way yeah no that's yeah that's a good point actually it, yeah. it I, makes it more universal yeah I think I thought I'd missed a bit when that guy that person came in and started telling his story and then just finished 
it was strange. Yeah. But I like it when thing when that kind of thing happens. I think two two things that elevated this film for me. Yeah. Want to hear them? Yeah. Shoot. Uh, one was the sort of rival author, who was an absolute yeah. piece, of, piece of s because he was funny. He was he was he was just perfectly cast and and he played the role very very well. Yeah, I thought he was like you could immediately see that he was a piece of s, couldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I thought that was really good, and I thought there was a, a really clever scene where they go around to one of their friends' house in their group. I think it was Lars. Um, oh yeah. And he's saying, "Oh, Lars is having a party. We should go." If Lars is having a party, and they go around to his house and he's having a dinner party. And it's like mm-hmm. a really civilized dinner party. And they're like, oh, I can't believe this. is completely sold out, this guy. Yeah. And then he looks really embarrassed. And then they go, okay, let's go to a proper party. Then they go to a, pro- a proper party, in, in, in inverted commas. And it's like the boys stood over there and the girls stood over there and everyone's just like... Just, just, just as bad. It's just it? awful, yeah. 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 yeah was, I, I thought that was pretty good comment on what it's like for us now, you and me. Like, compared to the parties we used to go to, yeah. Compared to trying to go to a party now, what that, yeah. what that would be like. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, but I suppose, yeah, another thing I was going to say about this film is it was 2006. Yep. The protagonists were about 22, 23. Uh, yep. So a very similar sort of... When you see their styles and stuff and that band, the commune, yeah. you can imagine our, ourselves at that age dressed like that, seeing a band like that, can't you? Yeah, I don't know if I would have been watching a punk band in Oslo. You and Liam talking about becoming writers. Yeah, I mean, it struck a chord with me because I'm not. I, I I think I think as a teenager you fall into the jocks or the geeks, mm-hmm. don't you? Mm-hmm. Or or the creative people. Maybe maybe that's the third category. Maybe yeah. I'm not sporty, so um, so I was into music and and drama, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I. Why did I say that? Um, so I relate. Yeah, you mentioned me and Liam wanting to be writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did relate to to, and I still ha- I still harbour those ambitions, don't I? I still want to. Yeah. I still want to make a mark somehow, some way, creatively. Yeah. 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 Did Did you hold the two main characters in disdain? Um, <laughs> That's a hard hit. That was like you were on hard talk. Then. Yeah. That's a hard hitting question. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, I'm going to start throwing these at you, I think. Okay. Challenging uh, you. Good. Uh, no, I didn't. I felt sorry for the guy with the mental health problems. Philip. Philip. And and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then I felt sorry for Eric. I, I thought it was, uh, there was the bit where Eric gets his novel published and then Andre says to him, "Oh, n- now you have to dump your girlfriend because you promised, you said years ago that when you get your first Andre, Andre, is what Philip, literally said it. The actors called Andreas. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, it's because you're throwing hard hitting questions yeah, at yeah, me. That's fair enough. Uh, and what's his name? Philip. Philip said, "You said years ago if you get your novel published, you would dump your girlfriend." And then it shows a, a cutaway to a really sexist conversation the group are having about women being not serious yeah, and, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and 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 I think he does. I think I think he he got. It shows him going to his girlfriend's apartment to dump her. Yeah, but he doesn't. Does he? He doesn't. If you find out later, he doesn't. It leaves you hanging. Right. 
but um, it kind of like yeah I, I to answer your original question I I didn't hold them in disdain I, I thought they were just subject to the same peer pressures and, mm. and societal pressures in a way of being men that that, that exist well he, he's like yeah, the good characters out there because he's like Eric is sort of the nice guy he's helping his friend out he's helping he's very sort of sensitive to um, Philip's problems but then he's, he's not treating his girlfriend well at all is he and she ends up dumping him yeah whereas um, Philip's like a little bit he could be seen as sort of quite aloof but then he's obviously like too sensitive to the world yeah um, yeah so they're, they're, they're very good very good characters well drawn characters very very well drawn I'd say uh, let's shall we move on to the title of the film okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm aware that we're, the time is half past five yeah that's fine that's fine so should we I'd say we're on course we're on course um, the title of the film is Reprise mm. and that struck home halfway through when he takes his girlfriend back to Paris where they fell in love Oh, right, okay, yeah, so he's trying to recreate that first weekend where they fell in love. Yes, and and I looked up the definition, reprise, repeat, a repeat of a performance or a piece of music. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. I always thought it was like the the end or something, like, you know, when there's a reprise of a piece of music, usually it's like the end of a... Well, reprise as a noun is a repeated passage in music. Right, okay. Reprise as a verb is to re- to repeat a piece of music or performance. So they he takes a he they fall in love in Paris as youngsters. He has a, a nervous breakdown. Uh they go back later on to Paris. Mm-hmm. He tries to rekindle the love. They they try to make love again and it's mm-hmm. really uncomfortable stuff. Yeah, definitely. And it's yeah. not working and it's clear that and he's taking photographs of her trying to get her to recreate the photograph that they once took. And it's uh, really. She literally says she's uncomfortable. She says it's really uncomfortable, and he's trying to force it through because he's clearly not well. Mm-hmm. And and it's, I think she's realizing again he's he's still not well, and it's really. But like that scene took place in the Luxembourg Gardens in Paris, right? And that is a place that I went to with my ex, right? Okay. When we were together, and then about ten years later, I went there again on my own oh right so okay. that really struck a chord with me and um, and I think that's where the film uh, that's where the film hit hit me emotionally a little bit is that have you uh, have you had the maybe it's a question for you have you had those times in your life where you've revisited another location I've had exactly that yeah, yeah. Australia What what's the deal there so I lived with my ex-girlfriend in Australia uh, we went to so everything about Australia basically reminds me of that relationship. Then I went to um, my mate got married um, about two years after we we broke up, and yeah, so that was very much like that kind of scenario. Yeah, because it's a place because Australia is a place that you don't visit often. Mm. You know, to, you've, I think you've been two or three times or something. Twice, yeah. twice. So like it's a place that you, you associate that, that entire place with your ex, and mm-hmm. then you go there. It's a really bizarre thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But that that also there was like a bit 
just before they went to Paris, just before that second visit to Paris, where they showed all these places without them in it, which was like a direct, seemed to be a direct nod to Before Sunset. Oh, controversial. Hello. Do you, 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 do you think that? Yeah, yeah. I do think that, yeah. You think it was a nod? Do you think you, you think it, I think, you I think, think Joe Jim Trey was nodding his cap? Doffing. Doffing his cap. Doffing his, uh, what do they wear in Norway? What sort of caps do they wear? Um, well, I know that in saunas, they wear like a felt dunce, dunce cap, dunce <laughs> hat. So it was, yeah, doffing his felt dunce cap to, uh, because most, you know, most most people agree that Linklater is a great director. Yeah. And a lot of people genuinely love those sun, sunset films. Mm, controversial statement. I mean, don't want to go back into it, but I don't think, I think it's 70-30 split. I'd say 30% of people don't think they're good films. I think we've only just started the backlash. You what? You, no. I think that backlash has existed. No, I think we're the originators of the backlash. Mm, that's uh, that's almost like 10 episodes ago you said we were tapping into the Zeke East. Yeah, yeah. We're the, we're the instigators of the backlash. Mm, I, yeah, I don't think, what's that? What's that? So so that's what? just the me- mental notes that cut that's the name of the episode. Okay, right, yeah. Um... I think I don't think he was doffing his felt sauna hat to Richard Linklater. Okay. By doing by showing the empty locations in Paris. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. He might have stolen that. Three on the nose. Might have stolen it from him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's always useful to say, "Oh, I was nodding, doffing my felt sauna hat to that particular director," and that that that. Then you can just steal stuff. Yeah, but, but there's like. But, but I should say I I don't hold anything against any creative people for stealing bits of other people's work. To be honest, I think yeah. I think I think it's impo- impossible to make stuff in a vacuum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, Eric and Philippe would probably um, agree with you there uh, in relation to the uh, <laughs> author. Uh, Read, Sten- reading, you got a notebook. Sten- what, what? Al. Can, Sam's got a notebook. Um, what's that in the shape of? Very whimsical. Okay, it's a whole city tiger book for children. Like a children's footballer's book. Yeah, yeah. It's like a Sam's notepad is like a what you'd buy in a football souvenir shop if you were a, if you were a child. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a present from my partner. So. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I take it back. Take it back. Um, I think it's Steve nice. Eagle, I think it's nice. You said it now. Steve Eagle Dal, Sten Eagle Gal. What was he called? Sten. I can't read my right. Sten Eagle Dal. I mean, I don't think we got time to go into it, but but he, yeah, I, I like that. And just very quickly, uh, this is a director, that young man called Liam. Uh, this film, if he enjoyed this film when he watched it, which I'm sure he did. Um, and he likes to read books. He, he doesn't watch any of the films. That I'd read. recommend that he reads the book Savage Detectives by um, Roberto Bolaño. Why? Because it's a similar sort of thing in that it's like quite highfalutin authors, um, young people who are authors. They call themselves the... Um, I'm not going to remember the name now. They basically create a movement for themselves. And then it's 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 one of my favorite books of all time. And then they're like getting high on their own supply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so good. Oh, I'd really like to remember what that the movement's called because it's got a really funny title. Right. Well, the funny thing is, uh, also for anyone enjoying this film, 
is that there is an, another a Norwegian author called Carl Ove Narsgaard, uh, who uh, it's unbelievably similar to this film. It's I, I'm kind of surprised that it's almost like this film has kind of ripped that off a little bit because that is about a, the preoccupations of a young, ambitious, uh, creative man who's into punk music as well. I'm just just looking now at when that Norsgaard book was um, written. Yeah. Um, First one is called A Death in the Family. Oh, uh, right, not My Struggle. Yeah, it's, it's the series of novels are called My Struggle. Um, 2009. So after this. That's interesting. Mm. Wow, okay. Interesting. Yeah, okay, Sam's given a cut motion, cut gesture. That piece of music was uh, composed and performed by Joe Booker. Uh, do check out Joe's music uh, with the band Gintis and uh, Telefair. Uh, Joe's a very, very talented um, young musician from North Wales, and we thank him very much for um, creating all the music for the Midlife Film Catch Up podcast. Yeah, and big thanks to Joe for sending in a piece of music a few episodes ago uh, called I Went to the Cheese Club and They Didn't Talk About Cheese. Which um, I've been meaning to ask Joe for his permission to play it on the podcast one day. Did he send that to me? No, it was um, it was a private exchange. Oh right, okay. I didn't know about these private exchanges. Yeah, it's just we just have a little. We just meet up and play bridge every every Sunday. Okay, yeah. No, that's um, no, good for that. It's nice. Yeah, it was it was it was a reference to when I um, was at school and I was in the we created the cheese club. Mm. You know. Uh, but we didn't actually do anything. We didn't talk about cheese, or it was just an exclusive gang sort of mentality. But then Joe sent in. Um, so there's a, a guy who played in either in the Wobbly Hearts or another North Wales band. What other June bands? Buggy. Uh, uh, G- oh, yeah. June Buggy. Not sure. I think he was maybe in the Wobbly Hearts as like a key. Yeah. key did they have a keyboardist? Well, the the, the guy from. June, I think it's called June Buggy. Yeah. Um, was in Orbit Hearts as well, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he, he's he's got his own solo stuff, which is uh, phenomenal. Yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. So I'll ask permission now. You know, maybe next week we can. So play, hang on, play that song. Did you write the cheese song based on your? No, cheese? no, no. Joe got in touch and said, and just didn't say anything. He just sent me the link to that song, and you know he was saying. So someone's written a song about your kind of situation, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of that guy's name, but yeah, very talented. Yeah, re- yeah, really good, funny stuff, and and good pop music as well. Mm, like, absolutely, like really Beach Boysy. Well, in terms of cra- not in terms of sound because it's lo-fi, but in terms of writing songs, songwriting ability, mm. like how to craft a pop song, it's 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 incredible actually. Mm-hmm. Really catchy stuff. Uh, someone, something else that was in this film was La Tigre. How do you, how do you yeah. say that? Uh, I think that's right. Yeah. Right, yeah, that was a great song. Yeah, that reminded me of indie discos of my youth. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, shout out to um, if anyone's heard of the band Tiger. Do you remember that band? Uh, no. Uh, they had a, a single called Race. No. Yeah, I don't know if I've got their name wrong. Is it Tiger? 
Tiger Race. I think they were Scottish. Really good tune. Good, good. And right. no, what do you want to talk about now? Do you want to do ratings or talk about our, our time in 2006? Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip ratings. Okay. You'll, be, you'll be pleased to know. I think we've um, you know, we've said all we need to say. It's, a great, know where it's a great film. Go and watch it. There's no... Um, you know, there's no mistake where we are with this film, is there? No way, Jose. Um, oh, you, have you got any new stand-up material this week? Uh, I haven't really, but it's funny that you mentioned um, Al Pacino before. Al, yeah, Pacino, yeah, yeah. Because um, I've, I've created a uh, character, actually. Oh, so yeah, I've got some material. No, I've just created... Yeah. A, 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 have you heard of BoJack Horseman? It's a cartoon, yeah, an adult cartoon. This yeah. is what this is what I've, I've seen. A, I've seen an episode of that. I've yep. created an, an adult cartoon character. What's it called? Um, Alpacacino. Great, good. Oh, alpaca. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. And it's a llama, um, but it sounds exactly like Alpacino. Yeah, that I'd like. I'd like to see that. I'd pay to see that. I'd buy that. I'd buy that for a dollar. A dollar. Yeah, yeah. To quote RoboCop. Oh, uh, right, okay, yeah. sorry. Um, it's all right. Just, I just thought this was a film podcast. <laughs> just thought I could sorry. say. I just thought I could say reference to like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. Um, and is that is that something you're going to create, or is that going to go in your stand up? You're just going to say that line. Maybe uh, <laughs> some glasses. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, that's a, just that's a different project. I think. Okay. To pursue. That's more of your Matt Groening sort of. Direction in life, yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt Groening, is it okay? You're a good cartoonist. I, I, I'll say this much. Thanks. I, I say you're a great cartoonist. Um, I, I, all I need to do is work on my Al Pacino impression. Unless you can do a good Al Pacino impression, I don't. I think if you create a cartoon and get it commissioned, I don't think you have to do the voices. Oh uh, right, okay. You could get an actor in. So it sounds like Al Pacino. Like Rob Brydon or ha- Hank Azaria. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All or, right. Or, or Al Pacino himself. Yeah, but I know that he's just had a baby. So has he? At what age? I think he's seventy-seven or maybe eighty. Well, yeah, yeah. I think to that, people will judge him for that, won't they? Yeah, I think he. I can't. I shouldn't judge, but you can't help a little bit. It's a bit harsh on the child. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think I think he's had children with abandon. Oh, really? He's had a lot of them. I think so. Um, Two thousand six. Um, I moved from the um, a place above the pub that I talked about last week. Yeah. Stayed in Liverpool that summer. So, I'd, so I graduated that year. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I went to uh, Benicassim Music Festival. I just remember that off the top of my head. Great. Um, well done. And um, who headlined? Or who was good? Uh, Pixies played. Oh, wow. Uh, Baby Shambles played. The Rakes. I remember the Rakes the most vividly. I don't know them. Uh, 22 Grand Job. No. Uh, Morrissey. Yeah. And he was playing that song. Do you remember that song, Life is a Pigsty? Yeah. And someone, it was like a Spanish best. It's a a long song. Yeah. And he's saying, what is he saying? Life is a what? (laughs) And I said, Pigsty. He says, what is this? Yeah. to sort of. Explain to him what a pigsty was, yeah. Pigsty, uh, a place where pigs live? Ha- yeah. Where they habit? Habit? Habit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, habit. <laughs> I think I just shouted habit pig, yeah. Pig habit. Yeah. Um, 
And then, yeah, moved back to Liverpool, lived in two different places in Kensington on the same road, Jubilee Drive. Um, one, uh, John Pambanke, which I've talked about before. Yes. So this is, this is a John Pambanke era. Um, me and Ed lived in one place and then we moved to the dentist surgery. Uh, so what? I had to pretend it was a dentist. So it was a dentist. Yeah, you've mentioned this. Um, and then we were living there and John Pambanke would come around. Uh, I mean, this is just stuff you said in a previous yeah, sorry, episode, to be honest. Sorry. So, with, you know, uh, three this years new. ago, this. This is new, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a job at a French bistro. Um, all right. So in Liverpool, you've got Bistro Jacques and Bistro Frank. So Bistro Pierre was in, ex- in existence. Pierre, That's the OG, yeah. OG Bistro. Um, and then that summer, they were opening Bistro Jacques. Uh, I walked by. This is the this is the age that we were living in. I walked by. Yeah. Chefs wanted. I worked at the Black Swan in Brands Burton. Remember the garlic bread? Yeah, you, you created, you invented garlic bread. <laughs> no, I just I stepped up from dishwashing to prepare garlic bread. Yeah. So I had the experience. Yeah. Said chef de party. I'm your man. What's the chef de party do? Uh, so you got your head chef, your sous chef, and then you got your chef chef de party. So I was doing. Um, what? Was, the, okay. What does sous, sous chef do? Um, second in command to the they uh, they prep the food, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, and I, I, we we need to we need to know this stuff. So I, yeah, we, I was. We need to do better. <laughs> I was. I was um, Be better, Sam. I can tell you what I was. I can tell you what my duties were. You, you, you were a chef to party, and you don't even know what it was. Well, all I can think, all I know is the hierarchy, head chef, sous chef, chef de party. But you've got to know what your job role is. Patissier, but we didn't have a patissier. All right, here we go. Chef de party, station chef or line cook is a chef in charge of a particular area of production in a restaurant. Okay, so my particular area of production was emptying out bags of new potatoes into big pans. Of old potatoes. And then boiling them. So you I was were, in you, charge of veg. You were so, line cook on the potatoes. On the veg. So if you remember the bistros, did you have an experience with the bistros? I think I've I've been to I think I've been to Pierre. Yeah. So you'll get your, there, what's the one on Hard, Hardman Street. That's that's my place. I've been I've been to that that's one. That's my gaff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so you get your main you get your main meal and then you get a side order of um potatoes. Of <laughs> Vegetables Veg. on a skillet. Oh yeah, single skillet or du- or double skillet. What's a skillet? Uh, like a metal trip, like a metal plate. Yeah. So the the every all I mean this is was it? Boring. Did it come out on a hot metal plate? Did it? Yeah. So the wow. So you'd um, all the metal skillets are under a grill all the time. This is not boring stuff. This is the most interesting stuff I've heard today. And um, all the veg was pre cooked either mostly boiled but then you got red cabbage which was boiled in uh, orange juice um brown sugar and with and with raisins with did you do that did you yeah. boil that yeah i did that yeah oh, that's amazing um did you listen to brown sugar while you were doing it yeah easily no i think no i was thinking something else actually i was, I was trying i was gonna think i'll tell you what song i can remember was always on the radio at that time Mm. Do you remember uh, Ray, L- Ray La Montana? Ray Montana? Ray nope. La Montana? Nope. Yeah, trouble, trouble, trouble. Never heard of this. You'll remember it. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Yeah. Trouble. He just kept saying trouble. I think you've made that up. 
Uh, it was everywhere for that for in the summer of 2006. Um, mm. So I would put the veg that had been cooked onto the skillet under the whoa, grill. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you you've done your red cabbage. You got, you're not just giving them red cabbage. Okay. Um, I mean, and these I, are all... I'd, I'd send that back. Pre-cooked. Sorry, pre-cut. Pre-prepared, so... So, new so, so someone else cut these, cut the veg up. The um, the the carrots would be already cut into batons, and they'd be in uh, like vacuum packed. Oh, hello! You'd buy them. Yeah, they'd yeah. come in. Yeah, right. And after a few days, so these things are all in like, um, all in like um, ice cream tubs. This is giving me flashbacks. Ice cream to, tubs to, to when we went for a curry at Light of Bengal. Right, carry on, carry on. Um, and they're all in my in um, ice cream tubs with the date when they were cooked and stuff. And then after like the third day, the fourth day, they become slimy. All right, you got your cabbage, you got your carrot batons. Mm-hmm. What potatoes? Else? Pota- new potatoes. Yeah, new potatoes. New potatoes. New potatoes. Yeah. New potatoes. I think I want to. I want to say. I want to say broccoli, yeah. but it could have been. Beans would make sense, wouldn't they? French beans. Oh right, like haricot, haricot vert. The in the green in the in the in the runner pods. Beans. Runner beans. I think they're haricot vert, green beans. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that was it. Um, brush some um, butter. butter on it. Put it under the grill. Bob's your uncle. What? Away. Oh no, what did he say? Service. Service. Yeah, yeah. Service. And I didn't like the culture. What the, you didn't like having to shout service? No, I didn't like all that. That, that, would, that would be that that would be my favourite bit of the job. Getting to shout the word service behind, you ever heard yeah, that? backs or backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hated yeah. all that. Yeah, people would just shout it to like shout stuff. And it was enough from kitchen. Was it? Yeah. So the customers could hear it all. Mm-hmm. Some customers go for that experience though, don't they? Do they? Yeah. Like they go, you know, they go to the teppanyaki and he does all the tricks. Yeah, we wouldn't be shouting backs to his colleagues, would he? The teppanyaki chef. Yeah. Well, he's a lone he's a lone ranger. The teppanyaki yeah, chef. Yeah. He's not in a kitchen. He's 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 surrounded by customers. He's the chef and the waiter, isn't he? Or she? He or she is the chef, waiter, judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah, yeah, doing his teppanyaki. Um, but you're giving me flashbacks to when we went when you started mentioning those that veg. We went for a curry at Light of Bengal. During my curry project. During, well, it's called Project Curry. Yeah, we'll get on to that. It's not called My Curry Project. Project Curry. Official, official name was Project Curry. Um, yeah, to be, continu- to be continued. And um, there was, do you remember that deadpan waiter? He was yeah. very tall and big. Yeah, he was brilliant. Kind of dead behind, dead behind the eyes. Yeah, gentle, gentle soul. Yeah, and apologies to any listeners who I was talking about this with last night Joe and Jane apologies right okay um, but yeah I, I, I just remember I'd, I'd been for a lot of curries recently on Project Curry mm-hmm. uh, where I was ordering a veg curry I wanted to, I wanted to have veg curries and they kept coming with bird's eye frozen veg yeah. in, in a sauce yeah. so you've got your sweet corn diced carrots mm-hmm. not, not even battens mm-hmm. and peas and I think runner beans maybe Horrible. That cooked in a curry sauce. So I said to the man, um, excuse me, um, what veg is in... Um, I said to him, can I ask what veg is in the veg curry? And he went, he went yeah, yeah, yeah. Veg, 
vegetables, just just some vegetables. He just said it like that, and um, he, he, so he said, "Yeah, of course you can ask me that. I'll yeah. elaborate." But he didn't no. elaborate, mm-hmm. and, I, and of course I got it, and it was bird's eye. And then also the second thing that happened was uh, all the soft drinks were either three seventy five or two seventy five. Yeah, remember that? Christ, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. I mean. Was it even three? Was it, am I crazy? Three seventy-five. No, I, th- I think it was getting up there. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I, I'm not having that. I'm not paying four pounds. You know, I'm not paying four pound for a soft drink. I didn't want a beer, mm-hmm. and I got a lime soda. They charged me three seventy-five. Yeah. yeah, you know, I I've been in pubs where they've charged twenty p mm-hmm. for a lime yeah, soda. Sure, that should be the worst, shouldn't it? Yeah, that's so, why they do it. Fact. Pardon? The the, the um the bar at the cinema fact it doesn't matter. It, they charge twenty. But it's minimal charge. Yeah, yeah. Just let's move on. <laughs> you let it go. You're just telling me, <laughs> telling me to let it go, aren't you? Yeah. So you were chef to party for how long? Uh, good question. Uh, I'm going to say a year, probably. Mm. Seemed like a long time at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly, certainly from that summer to the next summer. Mm. Uh, I think I ended one Christmas. I think yeah. So do you think that's where you got the cooking bug from? No, because I, I I didn't like it. I didn't mm. like it, so I still wasn't really, you know, you know, I wasn't doing much in the way of home cooking at that time. Mm. Just the bare minimum, really. Did the head chef and the sous chef did they like you? So I became good friends with um, a guy called Stu, who I nicknamed Dragon because he had a tattoo uh, of a dragon, so I nicknamed him Dragon, uh, and that's obviously a reference to the friends. Remind me. Uh, Joey gets a, a job in Monica's restaurant over Christmas, and the an, another waiting a waiter colleague gives him the nickname Dragon. Okay. Because Joey always wanted a cool work nickname. Okay, good. So Dragon and me were friends. There was a lot of characters. Mo was um, a guy in there, and then there was all there was like um, the porters, the KPs yeah. were um, kitchen porters. Yeah. Uh, they were Polish guys. They were very funny. The um, Marty, the uh, the tall KP, uh, used to um, take the mick out of me for the way that I pronounce the word samurai. Yeah, you, you're saying it wrong because you're saying it because you're saying it wrong. Yes, samurai. Mm, yeah, samurai. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and yeah. I, I probably did correct myself after after that and say calling it saying samurai for a while. Good, good. So it took them, it took them to correct for you to realise how to yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah. So I learnt a lot. I don't know why you would have been discussing Japanese warlords in 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 a French kitchen. Uh, well, Martin was very into his like he was a big guy, a fight, a sort of fighty Sorry, guy. Mercenaries. I once, <laughs> I once saw him um, hit um, Mo. He hit Mo um, because Mo was, I don't know, doing something untoward. Um, and um, Dragon said, "Yeah, I've seen that once. I've seen that before. Um, people my size won't punch people with a fist; they'll do it with an open hand in case they kill them." So, so uh, head chef slapped um, Dragon slapped. No, Mar- no, Marty slapped Mo, and Dragon said to me, "Yeah, I've seen that before." And he explained why he did it with an open hand rather than a clenched fist. All oh, right. So you're saying, you're saying uh, when I when I when I assault people, I make sure I do it with an open hand so that I don't hurt them. 
he was commenting on Marty. Marty, he was saying that's why he was doing it. I yeah, I don't know how much truth in it. And yeah. there was also and I have to talk about my friend French Jules that worked there as well. Okay, he was a French man, um, ginger hair. Um, Did the, they put him on waiter duties? Was he waiting on? Or was no, he was in the kitchen. That's a bit um, of a waste. That's a bit of a waste to put the only French person in the kitchen in a French bistro. Yeah, no, there was more French people on the floor as well. Actually, the floor just means that means the public side. I of think it. people. Uh, I don't think you need to. I mean, you don't even know what chef to party and sous chef means. You can't patronise the listeners by saying. By explaining floor or kitchen porter like you did before, just because you remember. Yeah, and if there's a lot of covers in, we'd probably have three. Stop showing three off. Three waiters and covers is that just that's just the number of tables, Se- um, seats, seats or tables. Seats, I think, isn't it? Yeah, places, places. So, um, so French jewels, ginger, ginger, poetic soul, smoked roll-ups. Um, he once described me to Ed Beamer as. Um, it was, no, he was describing someone else to me in front of Ed, and he said, uh, you're Sam, you're not Sam. He's a tiny guy. And he like put out his um, little finger like that, so he's a tiny guy yeah. with a huge personality. Oh, nice. That's, that, was, <laughs> <laughs> that was very Japanese, the, 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 Sorry, the way you said personality. He was a tiny guy with a huge personality. G- get, that more French? Mm, you're going to have to work on that. Mm-hmm. Any. Then else about French jewels? Uh, he painted. He was a painter. He shared. Um, he shared a, a bed sit. Yeah. On Hardman Street with um, Dragon, and they fell out in a big way. Did they? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. He was a very. Um, he was just a very French person. French jewels. No way. There's no way else of saying it. Where was Dragon from? Preston. So, so you yeah. in 2006 2000, so I, I've started a new uh, method now every week when we have the podcast I, I try and look back at some emails from that year oh that's a good idea to, yeah. uh, to, that, do your emails go back that far yeah so you've had yeah, it started out with pistachico at hotmail.com right and then from a certain year what mate, was it what was it Peace. pistachico peace pistachio pistachico Pistachico at hotmail.com. Pistachio. Still active if you want to get in touch. Yeah. Pistachio I, at hotmail.com. Pistachico. Pistachico. Pistachio with a C thrown in. Pistachico. Okay, yeah. Pretty sure pistachio has a C in it. Uh, another C. Oh, sorry. Okay. Okay, pistachico. This is giving me flashbacks to when we couldn't spell the name Axel <laughs> last podcast. Yeah, we don't need to revisit that. All right. Um, yeah, and then it and then it became CRJ Jenkins at gmail.com. Which is to this day. Which it is. So I've had them both a long time. Mm-hmm. Um why am I talking about my email? Because addresses? you were looking back at your emails from this time. Yeah, just to work out what I was actually doing. Uh-huh. I I'd say for anyone interested, that's a very painful thing to do. <laughs> right. To see how you used to write to people and stuff. Right, okay, yeah. And yeah. how much of a a dick you were so, so how, how were you writing to people were you, were you rude or were you overly... just putting like too many jokes in and you know not funny jokes right stuff, wow. you know and this is before whatsapp and everything mm-hmm. you know when we all used to email each other it used to have like 
chain emails where you'd email one group of friends and then you'd have right, okay. chain emails. I can't remember it ever being like that, really. I think I was really? just... Do you remember text? That must be how... I mean, you, you, there's only two years difference between us, I think. Yeah. So that just shows how quickly technology evolved from a certain point. Like, me, Barb's and Liam, we were emailers, you know? Right, okay. Yeah. Maybe it's something to do with you living abroad as well, though. I think that was it as well, mm. yeah. Um, so I looked back to find out what I was up to, and I found out that I was living in a wet market in Hong Kong. Wow, okay. Uh, so Liam had moved back home, so uh, Shez Banter was no more. Sad uh, Sad time, sad, yeah. sad moment. Yeah, definitely sad. He 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 had to move on, so I had to kind of uh, find new pals. Yeah, mm-hmm. defo. Uh, so we moved out fully mansion. I got a job. I got a flat in the wet market, which is just like a, a, a another name for a food market. But you know, there might be like. They might be selling live fish. Yeah. They might be selling live chickens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I don't know why it's called wet market. Is it not because of the fish? I thought it was just because of the Maybe, fish. Maybe, yeah. I mean, the floor, the actual street would often be wet because um, they would wash it a lot and stuff. But yeah, a lot of aromas. Oh, a lot of I aromas. Bet, I bet. And I was living above a fish shop, but it didn't have the same pungent smell that you would get at a UK fishmongers because all the fish were alive in water so it didn't have the dead smell of dead fish right so it wasn't too bad but still I mean I think people say when they get off the plane in Hong Kong the first thing you notice is the smell anyway right and the humidity so yeah what kind of which fish what breeds of fish are we talking (sighs) you've got your grouper grouper fish yeah have you heard of grouper fish Uh, yeah I think they're almost like catfish aren't they what pretending to be something else? <laughs> no, no, as in the the original catfish, right? I don't know. Uh, I won't go into the fish because I don't know. But I think grouper fish are in there. <laughs> but you also had bull, bulls' testicles hanging from a hook. Why? People are into that sort of thing. You'd have your live chickens, and they do a thing where, when the old lady goes to buy her chicken each week or every couple of weeks, or whatever. They had a practice of blowing the blowing the ass. <laughs> blowing the ass out of the chicken. So like um to check they were getting a good chicken, the shopkeeper, the chicken monger would pass the chicken would hold the chicken's anus up to And it was alive. It was alive, yeah. And the the, the customer would blow quickly short, sharp blow onto the anus of the chicken. And if and if the chicken reacted and squawked and, and moved, it was a good one. It had virility. It was alive. Right, you know? okay, it, had, wow. it had spunk. It had joie de vivre. Uh, and they would purchase that chicken. I wonder what that's called. That practice is called. I think it's called blowing the the anus or something. Um, that's incredible. I, I need to Google it. There's a Cantonese phrase for it that translates as like blowing the blowing the bum hole or something. And how did you find out about this? Uh, just I think through reading about it in a newspaper or something while I was there right. uh, I, I never saw it happen because uh, I didn't hang out near the chicken store you know no. did you ever buy did you never buy a live chicken never bought a live chicken I never went to the live snake shop where you could they had like wooden drawers lining the walls and they had a couple of tables in there where you could eat 
and they'd say, oh, I want this snake, and they'd open a drawer full of live snakes, pull Whoa. one out, cook the snake up, you'd eat it. Never went there because don't like the idea of sitting in that room with no. all the snakes. Um, but yeah, you got your live chickens. I was above the live fish. I, I used to buy all my fruit and veg in the market. Um, I, I wouldn't buy live things, really. Mm-hmm. And my landlord, uh, an older uh, landlord and landlady, they were they ran a market store, and I was living in their old family home, the flat. They'd they'd done it up, and they'd moved it onto a bigger, better flat, and it felt 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 like I was living out my sort of fantasies a little bit, my dreams. I, I don't know why I've said that, but <laughs> but like, it felt like I was keeping it real, you know? Right. Like like a lot of people moved to Hong Kong and they they live somewhere like fully mansion where we lived where you it's like a bit of a flashy apartment with a lift mm. on like the 30th floor or whatever okay. really high up and like with, v- with, v- with views of the skyline and stuff and this was like i was like living in on the third floor of a wet market paying in cash to my landlords each month who were market traders who couldn't speak english and i would speak cantonese to them a little bit that's brilliant and it just felt very authentic very and and like yeah, it was just great. I, I really enjoyed living there, and I lived there with an old school friend called Ewan who'd come out. Um, but yeah, I looked at my emails this week, and it turns out that this was the year that I made a couple of short films. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so uh, yeah, I don't want to name them. Don't want to name them. What? Why? I don't, I don't really want people watching them. Where are they? Don't so you want to say that either? Mm, don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure about uh, it. So you're not proud of them? I, so we made... So uh, I met these two southern gentlemen. Um, From the south of? America. Okay. No, no, uh, England. Okay, all right. Did so you think I meant like... Like Louisiana um, or something. Yeah, I thought it meant like Colonel Colonel Sanders. Yeah. No, they were from like you know, somewhere down south in England. Mm-hmm. Are you looking at your phone a lot? Yeah, uh, I'm getting ready for the next week's film. Okay. Oh I see. Oh I'll stop then. No don't. No, don't worry, Sam. No, don't. I'll just I'll just stop talking. No, the, you know, you, you met you, the two colonels. You, you met the you're two already jumping the gun. You're Sorry, already, no, no, yeah, you yeah. met the two and they were, no, they it's, were fine. Like, it's fine. Howdy, Chris. Yeah. I heard you yeah, you don't you have made. to win me over again. Yeah, you, you made short you, films there. You don't have to win me over with an accent. I'll just tell you then. Uh, you met these two southern gentlemen, and um, we made first film. We made was written by one of them, right? Uh, but I I, I I tweaked the script a little bit, and it actually involved a samurai sword in it. Right. Okay. So you know lowest common denominator a bit of Asian exoticism mm-hmm. putting all your Asians in the same basket basically right you know like they don't they don't use samurai swords in Hong Kong Hong Kong is Chinese uh-huh. you know samurai swords Japanese but okay. he'd written this script that involves uh, him him using a top, topping himself with a samurai sword so was the southern gentleman an actor as well <laughs> uh, uh, we were just uh, we all had our day jobs and we all had a hankering to make films. Okay, to, so you to act to write. You weren't necessarily behind the camera. 
I fil- I I kind of helped. He wrote the script. It was all his idea. I helped tweak the script, and then um, myself and someone else filmed it, kind of behind the camera. Okay. It 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 got into a local film festival. It got shown. Then we got then we got the bug. Mm-hmm. And then the next film. This is what I'm not proud of. The next film that was coming up was an uh, an LGBTQIA plus film festival. Right. Okay. I think it's called the L- Hong Kong LGBT Film Festival. That's what it used to be called. And then, so now thinking, so a bit like today's film, really young, ambitious, creative men, mm-hmm. boy, boys, and just heterosexual. like heterosexual boys, and just like going for, for where the next opportunity is mm-hmm. rather than us being uh, uh, homosexual. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, yeah, so, like, uh, I don't think it was my idea, but one of the southern gentlemen was like, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why I'm calling them that. Uh, he was like, why don't we Why don't we create a film for this thing coming up? And I was like, yeah, fine. And I, and I wrote the script for this one. Okay. And I think if you watched it back now, uh, you would find all the same themes that I talk about now uh, back in that script. What do you mean? All, same... all, all, all the same things I talk about now, like allergies, allergies <laughs> to shellfish and carrots. So it wasn't an LGBT plus themed film. It was. It was. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a gay film about a, a group of three or three or f- a group of four men. Right. Very much based on my experiences as a heterosexual and and the experiences of my friends, but then. Put through a gay filter, made made them gay, gave gave them up, yeah. And it was like, it was kind of like a bit of a judgmental story of hedonism and and promiscuity. Okay. Uh, you know, like a bit like judging, a bit like I'm trying to think what happens in the story, but kind of like a cautionary tale, right. if you will. Yeah. So a bit judgmental and a bit, and also a bit. Uh, painting people with the same brush saying they're like this when obviously human beings are three dimensional and multifaceted and they're not all but just one. to be clear you're not saying gay people like this I'm, no I'm not, I'm that's saying, not and that wasn't the point of your film either uh, I don't can't remember what the point of the film was I think it was just a cautionary tale yeah um, and and so we, we, we wrote it but then, and then we got we got our friend to translate it into Cantonese, and then we we auditioned people, mm-hmm. and we had uh, uh, Cantonese actors. Mm-hmm. One of them was our very good friend Ming, who's mm-hmm. like a really good friend of ours, and um, they 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 were amazing. They, they were, and they were. I, I can't speak for Ming because I don't know about his sexuality, but the other actors were young gay actors, and right. they they really loved the experience and, and doing it. But maybe I, I look back on it with a bit of cringiness yeah. and watching it as well. Um, but but I'm kind of proud that we just went and did yeah, it, went yeah. and actually did it, and yeah. we actually did make a 20 minute film. And uh, it didn't get shown at the main festival, but it did get shown at some offshoot of it. Um, quite rightly, they gave precedence to genuine Cantonese. Gay voices, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, which, that's a good which kind of like, uh, kind of like, you know, you'd hope for, y- y- duh, 
done basically <laughs> done yeah. Um, yeah. in hindsight um, yeah and then so that that gave me the bug mm. you know and I'm still uh, uh, filmmaker as a filmmaker and I'm still obviously trying to realise that dream um, but you know one day one day I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll oh, make, one day I'll make a film you and, well you, I mean you've built up quite the Black cats, really, haven't you? You've got, you've got, you have got films under your belt that you've made. Ish, ish, yeah, ish. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, I, I want to get. I just want to make something that is, you know, I've written and directed, yeah. and, and is a narrative film, not just yeah, hodgepodges and stuff. Interesting. Uh, so that is where I was at, and then I think next week I'll, I'll also be in Hong Kong. There'll be another development, but um, yeah. Yeah, exciting year next year. Um, mm. But this is where we are. So, ten years from this year, we we'll meet. No, no, twelve years from this year. No, no, we'll meet in twelve years. No, when, when did we meet? No, thirteen wasn't it? Twenty thirteen, probably. So just a little bit of a teaser there, listeners. We haven't met yet. Is what I'm saying. Twelve episodes from now, we'll meet. 2006 no no 13 minus 6 7 7 years 7 episodes how did you get 12 how did how, why were you thinking 12 um, I don't know I was thinking I don't know I don't, I don't know it's, it's I've had a roast Fuzz, dinner fuzzy isn't it yeah but that's dinner. a good that's a funny thing isn't it that we met we, well there was now 7 years away from meeting I think that's interesting I think that's exciting yeah as yeah. well I think that's exciting doesn't seem doesn't seem like a long time, does it? No, it's seven weeks from now. If we do a podcast per per week, yeah, which we'll t- endeavour to do. And I think how we met was quite funny, but you know, we can go into that later. Yeah, definitely. Do you want me to talk about films for next week? Yeah, should we give a little pause for music? Okay, there we go. Okay. Do you, do you need to mention the dog that you're looking after this week? No, no, <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Just because of uh, GDPR, really. Yeah, we can't mention the name of it. Can we say the breed? Yeah, Chihuahua. It's not. P- uh, it's sorry, a, Poodle. It's a Poodle. Poodle, yeah. Okay, so I've got a controversial choice this week. Go on. Um, and I think uh, you'll either have... Se- My expectation is you'll either have seen it or you'll have... Prejudices against it. Don't sugarcoat it, Sam. Um, so the film is called "The Assassination of Jesse James" by the coward Robert Ford. I haven't seen it. Okay, and have I, you got prejudices against it? I, I love cowboy films. Okay, okay. What what prejudices? Well, I just thought because um, Brad Pitt's is in it or something, you might think, oh, it's too too Hollywood. Too Hollywood, yeah. Who's the director? Uh, I feel like because I feel like I've, it co- you, sh- you it should comes know up, this. You should know this. It comes up quite regularly um, in my reading. <laughs> yeah. What what reading? <laughs> what research? When I'm reading around films, there's no research. <coughs> um, Be better. Be better. My uh, my list isn't coming up on. Um, oh, here we go. He's lost without his letterbox. This is bad, isn't it? Sorry. What happened to? You know, basic arithmetic and remembering stuff. Goldfish. 
<laughs> like a goldfish. So it's directed by Andrew Dominic. Do you want me to tell you what yeah, else he's... Yeah, please tell me, because I feel like I've seen... So he did that new Marilyn Monroe film. Do you, know, do, do, you know, do you know what? He's done all the Nick Cave films. Yeah, yeah, he didn't do Chopper, did he? Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Did he do kill, kill, killing, killing Them Softly? That's a bit of a personal question, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, unless he wrote it. I don't right. know what that film is. But you know this film, The Assassination of Thingy Thingy? Yeah. On one of our previous podcasts, one of the directors we watched was in line to direct this film. There's a link. Who, which director? I can't remember. remember which one. We'll find, we'll find out. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's a link. Yeah, that sounds good, yeah. Okay, good. All right, well, that, that, and my second choice was a Roy Anderson film. Hard work Roy Anderson films, aren't they? Yeah, well, they're, they're worth it, aren't they? What, what, what's it called? Uh, I don't know, because I can't get my list up. Are they worth it? They're just, they're just hard work. Uh, I think they'd be good fodder for this um, podcast. For trying to challenge ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, what what are you feeling? Uh, I think we should watch that because it's one it's, it's an itch that I need to scratch. You don't like cowboy films. That's not true. Yeah, it is. You and you and you and Carl Roberts said you don't like cowboy films. <laughs> well, you, no, you said you don't like westerns. Yeah, I've heard you say this before. I've got a good memory. Um, but what did I say about um, the three burials of Malquiades? Malquiades Estrada. Estrada. Uh, Good, thank you. Uh, you. You really enjoyed it. You loved it. And uh, I've also liked a few other cowboy films. Pardon? I've also liked a few other cowboy films. <laughs> I, I, I don't think um, I don't think we should keep choosing cowboy films. Do you know, <laughs> no, what, this, do you know but, what I mean? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I absolutely know what you mean. And I would have happily gone with the Roy Anderson film. But this is, like I said, this is a film that keeps coming up in my reading. So. Yeah, okay, what reading? My film Your letterbox reading. My cinema reading. Yeah, okay. What are you reading at the moment? Uh, I just finished a book yesterday. Oh, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, William Boyd's f- uh, book called The Romantic. It's William Boyd's second full life. Is that Billy, Billy Boyd who played one of the Hobbits? No, no. Uh, uh, what was the novel about? Um, so he's got two books that are full life um, novels. In a nutshell, in a nutshell. It's, his, fir- his first one was uh, Any Human Heart, and that was someone that basically lived through the 20th century, so born in like 19. All right, one. I've heard enough. I've heard enough. And this one, it's the yeah. 19th century. Got it. So he's born in like 1800, and then he, he sort of hung around with Lord Byron. He, uh, um, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was in the, what do you call it, the Rush for Africa. Yeah, um, right. Uh, met what's his name? Time Doc, travel. Doctor time Livingston. travel. Time travel. Time travel. No, it's time not. travel book. It's not at all. And that's the end. Thank you for listening <laughs> to this podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa! What about um, the cat? Is there a phrase that we that can sum up this week? If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please just buy us a coffee on Kofi. A coffee could be, could be, it could be seventy nine p if you go and to some places yeah well in um, Greg's it's it's um, included with your bacon sandwich do, do you know what I mean you just seven, yeah. yeah anyway I'm not going to beg frothy coffee yeah remember that um, no you see, you see it in greasy spoons sometimes uh, I was thinking instigate. Why, why is it frothy um, fair this is a question that no one's ever asked a big question shout out to the KNF Greasy Spoon in Birmingham. I, I haven't mentioned that in previous podcasts, but have you started reading that KLF book yet? 
Uh, yeah, I've I've read the first couple of chapters. Good, it? It, it, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Instigators of the backlash. Just that. Yeah. Instigators of the backlash. Who? 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 <laughs> Um, well, we, could, we we were. You could we, read it in different ways, couldn't you? Yeah, it's related to the film. The film before sunset. Yeah, it, that's the that's the most obvious meaning. But you can it's layered. Does it, do you think, as the podcast stands right now, do you think we're still capturing the Zeke East? Um, probably less so. Yeah. Why? Um. Become more whimsical. Well, I, th- I think the zeitgeist was um, the midlife zeitgeist was a certain point in time three months ago. You, you think that there was a UK cultural zeitgeist about midlife? About, yeah. yeah, you did say that. Western and you, and culture. You, Western culture. And you think that's past? Mm-hmm. What's is it? What's the, do, you, do you know what the zeitgeist is? Now? Yeah. What is it? Fame. Fame. Explorations of. Fame, yeah. Like the idol, pardon? I the idol or idol, it's called. Is that a film drama series with Johnny Depp's daughter in it? Right. Do write in with your do, genuinely do write in with what your opinion is of what is the zeitgeist right now. What Identify is. if you live in Belgium, 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 then sure, what's Belgium. the zeitgeist in Belgium? Sing uh, if you live in Philippines. We have someone in the Philippines. Yeah, big time, big time. Tell us what the zeitgeist is. Where was the place in America? Virginia. Virginia. Ashburn, Virginia. Please get in touch. I mean, it's a bit creepy if I say that. What, the very specific... Town, yeah. It's not... It's just what your computer tells you. Aircast tells me. Yeah. Do keep listening, folks. We're not trying to... It's not like Enemy of the State. We're not trying to track you down. Yeah, it's not... um, I'm, I'm not Gene Hackman. Sam's not Will Smith. It's not Vanilla Sky. It's no vanilla sky. I haven't seen it. Instigators of the backlash. <laughs>